Hello all, welcome or welcome back to And Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. Oh my god, I wasn't here last week because I, or not last week, two weeks ago, because I went to Florida for spring break and it was so nice. I was talking about in my episode, Seasonal Depression, how I was so sick of the cold weather, like I needed the spring break. I physically needed the spring break and it honestly was so nice just to sit in the sun and just, it just was so nice. I haven't felt warmth like that in so long. It's been like months. So that was really nice and relaxing. But now I'm back and I didn't want to get off my normal schedule of how I do it every other Sunday and do it a different Sunday. It's like a, it's just a thing how I think, but I wanted to keep on the same Sundays I do it. So today's episode, you'll see what it's going to be about. But first of all, I know that right now for all students alike, it's crunch time. It's exam stress, whether that's exams for your high school classes or AP classes, IB courses, college courses, whatever that is, it is crunch time. And I was going to make an episode today about study methods and how I study and how to not lose your mind during these exams. But just talking about it, I think is just going to stress me out right now because I'm just so stressed. And I've been studying for, I'm taking two AP classes this year. And so I'm studying for those because I'm taking both exams. And it's like, I feel like I don't remember a single thing. And studying isn't hard necessarily. It's just getting myself to study because it's so overwhelming when you have a whole eight or nine months of curriculum and material sitting in front of you and you have to re-go through all of it because from those earlier units that I literally don't remember a single thing. Like, I was like, what is this? Do we learn this? But I've just been going through a lot of stress with the exams right now and I kind of had a little breakdown yesterday because... I, I don't know. I was just really overwhelmed, but if you're watching this or listening to this and you're also overwhelmed, just know that I'm going through the same thing and it'll all be over within a month, depending on when your school ends. My school ends relatively early, but I know some people don't end school till the end of June, so that's kind of crazy, but just know that the stress will not last forever. <laughs> Um, so I went on vacation, like I said, I went to Florida, and this, again, this is gonna sound so silly, like such a minor thing, but just getting tan in Florida and just getting that sun-kissed glow made me feel so much prettier, so much more confident, just so much better about myself in general, and I was talking about this in my last episode, Seasonal Depression, and I was talking about how lack of sunlight makes a lot of people just, you know, your skin is dry, you just feel like, blah, you feel like your hair is less bright or less healthy, whatever, just the lack of sunlight affects our self-confidence, affects how we feel in so many ways. So getting exposed to that sunlight, even though I was only 
there for, I think it was there for, I was only there for six days actually, but I just felt so pretty getting tan and stuff. So that was a, that was a nice bonus. Nice bonus. Cause I'm one of those people who has skin that tans very easily. Um, yeah. And so my skin tone like changes completely in the summertime cause I get really tan, but yeah, so that was nice. But I have a few funny stories from vacation to talk about. I, I'm getting to the topic of today's episode, but I want to tell these two stories. So I'm obsessed with this ice cream store in Florida, and it's not good ice cream. I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. I just love their cotton candy ice cream. Like that is the one thing I remember about that place is their cotton candy ice cream is so good. And I'm one of those people who doesn't like chocolate ice cream flavors. I like to have fruity ice cream flavors like mango, uh, raspberry sorbet, um, cotton candy, birthday cake. I like those fun ice cream flavors. I don't like chocolate or mint chocolate chip or cookies and cream. That's not really my type of ice cream flavors. So I went to this ice cream store and oh my god, I miss that cotton candy ice cream. And it's not even, it's not a really good ice cream store. Like it's not a oh, world-renowned Grater's ice cream or Jenny's ice cream. It's literally just this basic ice cream store. But for whatever reason, I'm obsessed with their cotton candy ice cream. And funny enough, I had another experience with a different ice cream store. When I tell you, when I walked into this ice cream store, first of all, the walls... I don't know who in their right mind would paint their walls of a store that's supposed to attract customers this color, but they painted it like barf green. I'm not even exaggerating. It wasn't like camo green. It wasn't dark green. It was literally barf green. And I, that wasn't the worst part. So I'm walking. I'm like, that's really weird. It's an ice cream store. Why is it painted barf green? But whatever. But I walk in. This ice cream store smelled so strongly of chemicals and I can't even describe how bad this smells like it burned my nose it wasn't anything exaggerated it wasn't like oh it smelled like Bath and Body Works perfume and that hurts my head it smelled so bad like fresh chemicals I don't know how to say it smelled like kind of a paint but it smelled so bad I just felt like I was getting like my lungs were getting some toxic disease in it from smelling this air. It was so gross. And even when I plugged my nose, not plugged my nose, but breathed through my mouth, I could still smell it. That's how bad this chemical smell was. And everyone else there looked normal, looked like they didn't smell it. And I'm over here dying because it smells so bad in here. But that was, it was awful. But the ice cream was really good. But I'm just like, why would someone paint their ice cream store, the walls of their ice cream store, barf green? Like, that's the most unappealing, unattractive color you could pick. Anyways, that was just a funny story. It smelled so bad. I'm literally rethinking how bad it smelled. But as I'm talking about my vacation, on vacation, I typically read a lot of books. I go to the beach and I pack five to six books 
even when I'm staying for six to seven days because I devour books at the beach. I mean, I'll be reading a book per day. Like, that is how much I read at the beach. And it's frustrating because I love reading, but I haven't read a lot this year because I've just been busy with school and my other extracurriculars and I just feel like I don't have time to read. But again, spring break was kind of like a vacation from the stress and I read a book nearly every day. So I mentioned how I I stayed for six days. I read four books in the span of six days and I want to talk about those books But more importantly, I want to talk about how important reading is and the power of reading. Because I feel like with more and more people, people, more and more people are reading less and less. And I know a lot of people don't like to read. And if you don't like to read, then that's okay. I mean, that's your preference. But I don't feel like people understand the value in reading and what reading teaches you and the lessons it gives you. So that's what today's episode is going to be about, the power of reading. And I want to talk about specifically the books I read on vacation because I am one of those people who loves to talk about books. And even I'll talk about books to people who haven't even read the book. I'll be like, oh my god, there was this amazing plot twist and it was actually her who did it and I was so surprised and blah, 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 blah. I'll literally be telling people who haven't read the book, who I'm not even close with about this book I've read because I love discussing books. And you know, that's probably just something, not just something about me. I'm the only one who likes reading books and discussing books, but that's probably just more of an individual thing versus an everyone loves doing this thing. But personally for me, I love reading. I love discussing books and yeah. But I think reading teaches you to think about the world in a new light and to really think about important topics. I think especially in this generation, we have a lot of influence about certain topics and people telling you what you should and shouldn't believe and people kind of jumping on the bandwagon, not really forming their own opinions, not really sitting down to actually think, to actually do research and to understand a topic or an idea. But reading kind of sheds a new light on that and it helps you understand complex ideas in a simpler situation. Reading teaches you big ideas like the idea of human greed, the idea of self-preservation, the ideas of racism and sexism. They teach you about these ideas that are hard to understand if you don't go through it yourself. And they shed a new light on it to help you understand a little better. And my brother, we were actually talking about books, and my brother said, his teacher said there's two different types of books. And I forget the exact terms he used for them, but one of the books, one type of books, is the book doesn't really teach you anything. It's kind of a fun book. It's like a fun mystery who did it, a fun thriller. It doesn't have really any significance to world issues or social issues or anything going on. That's kind of a fun book. And then, again, I forget the term, but the second type of book is a book that has an underlying theme or a lesson to teach the reader. 
or a social issue or a political issue or whatever that it's trying to get across and convey. So those would be a lot of the classic books. A lot of classic books have a lot of underlying themes and they have these characters and they're going about their lives, but really there's a theme underneath that that the author wants you to take away. And there's a bunch of different themes And I love those types of books. I love the second type of book because they require thinking and they require you to actually reflect and form your own opinions and help you empathize with people who endure certain things. And the second type of book, I feel, I just thought of an example. This isn't the best example, but 1984. 1984 by George Orwell. It's a classic. I read it for my summer reading book last summer and I honestly think I'm going to reread it when I'm older to understand it a little better. But 1984, it teaches you about governments who don't let you like say what you want, who governments who don't let you have the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press, and all this stuff, and 1984, I mean, it taught me about human self-preservation, this part in the book, if you are planning on reading it, you don't want it spoiled, and skip the next 30 seconds, but this part in the book, where the main character, I forget, I forget characters' names, I only just remember what happened, but the main character, he gets captured because, you know, he He's supposedly not being loyal to his government, and he's been sneaking off with this girl, this woman he loves, and that's illegal. And they're not supposed to, they're basically not supposed to have sex unless they're trying to have kids, and they're not supposed to actually have feelings for each other. So he loves this woman, and so he, they get captured because that's against the law in this book, and so he gets taken to this institution. And they get presented with their worst fears to kind of convert them and brainwash them into supporting the government, supporting Big Brother, you know, the saying, Big Brother's always watching. And so he gets presented with his worst fear, which is rats. And the guy is taking this rat out of the cage and he's like, this rat will attack you, but... You can also allow your, I feel, I forget if it was his fiance. I don't think if, if it was his fiance or his girlfriend or whatever, but, and I, oh, I'm pretty sure her name is Julia. I'm pretty sure I might be forgetting that, but let's just say her name is Julia. He says, or Julia can go through this and you'll be, you'll have to endure a rat biting your face. Like he has this giant rat up to his face in a cage. He's going to open the cage and the rat's obviously going to attack the guy's face. And so he says, no, like he says, no, do it to do it to Julia. And this is the woman he loves. This guy loves this woman, but he's willing to let her endure this horrible pain, this horrible suffering. So he doesn't have to go through it himself. And it led me to think about this whole theme of self-preservation. Would you do that? to save yourself? Would you do that to the people you love? 
I mean, he was in love with this girl and he said, yeah, let, let this giant rat eat her face, which is extreme pain. It's like human torture. He said, yeah, let her go through that so I don't have to. And that made me think. I was like, oh my God, this is self-preservation. And I also remember reading the book Night in 8th grade by um, Elie Wiesel. I'm pretty sure it was by him, yeah. And Night is about the Holocaust. And so these people who are fleeing the concentration camps, these Jewish people, there are kids being trampled. These people that are too sick or too injured or dying that can't walk and people are trampling over them to escape this concentration camp. And that also made me think about self-preservation. And it made me think about events such as the Holocaust and books in general that are like this, that make you think, that make you think, what if that was me? Or empathize with events like the Holocaust. Try to understand them more. Those books are so important because they have lessons to teach people. I read, I'm going to talk about a few books I read on vacation now. Oh, in 1984 is a really good discussion book. I think it has a lot of things to discuss. I didn't love it because I also feel like because I'm younger, I don't appreciate it as much maybe because it's kind of more of that classic. So maybe I'll read it when I'm older and see if my feelings have changed about that. But 1984 is a classic book. I I would still recommend it. I still think it's a good discussion book. It was a little hard to get into, but it does have good themes to talk about. But anyways, so I read these books on vacation and a lot of them taught me lessons. Even though some of them may not have been the whole purpose was to teach you a lesson, they had little things here and there that made you think more deeply about issues in the world. So I know this is like going to be such a, oh my God, you read that book. That's such a basic book. I read It Ends With Us. I know it's such a basic book, not basic, but a lot of people have read it. It Ends With Us. I'm not going to say I I didn't really like it. Um, I think on Storygraph, which is like my, it's kind of like a version of Goodreads, on Storygraph, I gave it a 3.75 out of 5, which is like a 7.75, or what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, it's a 7.75, I think. I don't know. It's something like along that in terms of out of 10. But, so it's a 7 something out of 10. It ends with us has a good lesson to teach. It wasn't my style book. I don't like romance books. But it did make me think more about issues like domestic abuse. And I remember reading this part in the book where this woman was being abused by her partner. And she was thinking that when her mom was abused by her dad, that it was so easy to leave. But until she was there... And you think it's the only time, and the author was saying, you think it's the only time it's going to happen and that partner will never do it again. So that's why the main character stayed with her partner and then it happened again and she just kept saying that. And so I feel like there are a lot of kind of stereotypes or 
thoughts about domestic abuse and it's hard to understand it until you've been in it. And I obviously haven't been in that, but reading it kind of helped me understand a little bit more. Just a little bit more helped me understand it. And I think that's so important when books teach you about things like that and help you to understand things. Obviously, you can't understand experiences unless you've gone through them. And I think that's just a fact of life. You can't understand like racism or sexism unless you are on the other end, you are on the receiving end. But books help you see that a little better, which I think is why they're so important. I read this book called Reckless Girls. I forget the author, but it has um, a yellow cover with pink flowers on it. I forget the author though, but Reckless Girls was a really good book. I was shocked at the ending. I finished it in a day. Well, I finished It Ends With Us in a day, but that's just because I just wanted to see how it would end. I didn't love it. It was, eh, it was okay. But Reckless Girls was really good. And Reckless Girls, one of the characters... Um, one of the characters, I think it was, let me think. Oh, one of the characters, so her mother was kind of poor and didn't have a lot of money. And so she worked for this very wealthy man. And this wealthy guy was a drug dealer. And he, I think he gave these drugs to the mother to hide for him. And the mother got caught with them. And she was the one that went to jail. And the main character, one or one of the main characters was very angry about this. And she was talking about this white male privilege that w wealthy white male privilege that these people carry and how they're able to deflect it onto other people who are not as wealthy and who may be women. And that was really interesting for me to see because, again, this is a social issue that applies to more than books, but a book kind of helped me understand these ideas a little bit more. Um, the book Hostage by Claire McIntosh, that was a good book too. And basically this plane was under a terrorist attack and there was a Middle Eastern man on the plane and the main character was white and she was even though she knew that this was a bad thing to think this was a prejudice this was racism she was thinking that this middle eastern man what if he has something to do with the with the hijacking of the plane even though there was no evidence to support that and again it's reflecting this social problem of prejudices and stereotypes and it is so important that books address these problems because they help the reader see these problems through another lens and see what the problem actually looks like and give you new perspectives on the issue. And that's why these books, I think, were really good because they have other discussion points, very important things to talk about. While they're a good book, they also have themes that are important to discuss and lessons to teach the reader. And like I said, I think books also try to help you understand things that other people, let me rephrase that, people help, I mean, okay, books help you, the reader, try to understand things that other people experience that you don't. 
So whether that's racism, sexism, a wealth gap, poverty, stereotypes, all of these different things, I think books try to teach you and they create empathy because when you see this issue happening, you can it's easier to empathize because the author's painting a picture in your mind versus maybe hearing about it, you say, oh, that was horrible, and then you go about your day. That's a horrible thing that happened, and you don't really consider the significance of this event. But books, they're painting a picture in their mind. They're forcing you to read it and think about it and comprehend it, which will in turn create empathy. And that is why they're so important. They teach us about these issues. And I mentioned the two types of books, how the first type of book is like kind of a fun book. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think every single book has a lesson to teach. Every single book. Besides like maybe, actually no, picture books for kids I think have lessons too because they'll be like, the cat took the milk from the dog, but the cat should have shared with the dog. Even kids' books have lessons within them. And maybe a book is like a thriller. It doesn't seem to have lessons within it, but you look like the book I was talking about, Hostage. It showed prejudice, even though that wasn't the main idea of the book. It was a small portion of the book, a small little detail. It had this lesson to teach. It was teaching about prejudice and false stereotypes. And I think that's so important. And I want to talk about, for school, I had to read Of Mice and Men, which is a classic, and Gatsby, or The Great Gatsby, which is another classic. And I wasn't super excited to read these books. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of classics because I find them a little bit slow to get into, slow moving in general, and just my favorite genre is thrillers, and obviously there's not a lot of classics that are thrillers. They're more of slow moving books about people's lives that are supposed to teach you something. Those are classics in my opinion. But when I was reading Of Mice and Men and Gatsby for school, I didn't realize how much I actually learned from these books. I mean, Of Mice and Men addresses issues like sexism and racism and people with mental disabilities and how, at the time, people with mental disabilities didn't have any treatment and, you know, they would just thought, oh, they're just not as intelligent and they didn't get treatment. People didn't understand And that made me think. I was thinking about that. I didn't think about how times have changed because now it's the norm for all these medicine advancements and there are, people are more accepting. But back then, when this book was written, that wasn't the norm. And so it made me think a little more about different time periods and it really taught me lessons about these things. And Gatsby displays a lot of themes. Gatsby, I think one of the themes, one of the main themes that is applies to life in general was that wealthy people can get away with everything. If you have wealth, you can cover it up. And that is so true in everyday society. But, you know, Gatsby, again, gonna be a spoiler, skip the next 30 seconds. 
Daisy, who is very wealthy, who has natural wealth, not unlike Gatsby, who has had to get his wealth through, you know, gaining alcohol in illegal ways and drugs. Daisy's naturally wealthy, and she was the one who was driving the car. She was the one who killed Myrtle. She murdered someone. Daisy murdered someone and got away with it. And when Gatsby was killed by Myrtle's husband for murdering her, Daisy got off scot-free. Daisy and Tom got to go live their lives. They didn't think about Gatsby another second. And an innocent man died because of them. Because they're wealthy and they knew they could get away with it. And I think that's so important. It's such an important theme. And it applies beyond the pages of the book. I love books and stories that make you think about life beyond the pages the story is confined to. That's like one of my favorite things to say, just the pages the story is confined to. But of Mice and Men, like I said, it highlights the lack of treatment for the mentally disabled. It highlights sexism. You know, Curly's wife never had a name and she was blamed for her own death. Even though someone else killed her, she was blamed. So you connect that to everyday life and that kind of reflects some problems in today's society. There was racism against crooks, you know? And obviously I don't endure racism, but it helps me understand it just a little more. Just a little bit more. Books are so important. And I could form connections between Gatsby and Of Mice and Men. I could think intelligently between the two books and connect common themes and common lessons the authors were trying to make clear. And in my book club, I have a book club with my friend. We both run it. And we were having a meeting, you know, we were just talking about books in general. What do we like to read? What's our favorite books? And we started to talk about Of Mice and Men and The Great Gatsby because we were all in the same not the same exact class, but the same class that read those books. And we had this intelligent conversation and it was like ideas were flowing. We were making connections between history and the books. We were connecting the two books. We were talking about how that applies to everyday life and modern day life. And I mean, it was so cool to see that we could all, a group of, I think it was um, five people, because it was me and my friend, and then three of our other friends came. But only a group of five people could have such an intelligent conversation about books. And it was really amazing, because if everyone could do that, if everyone could talk about these books and understand the lessons that are being taught from them, if everyone could do that, then the world would be such a better place. And... That's why talking about books and exchanging ideas with people is so important because you start to hear other opinions. You can maybe argue about a book. I think this was what the book was trying to teach, but you know, if you disagree with that, that's okay. It teaches you how to have respectful arguments with people. Books give you so many more skills like empathy, discussion with people, having a calm conversation reasoning and thinking through tough concepts books teach you all of that 
And that's why they're so important. It's so important to pick up a book and read. And I was talking about how me and my friend have a book club we created at our school. And I love book clubs, even though, <laughs> even though the only people that go to our book clubs are like our friends. I'm okay with that because we discuss books. We have an intelligent conversation. And in general, I love discussion groups. I love book clubs. And I was talking in the beginning of this episode, I was talking about how much I love discussing books because there's so much to say and there's so much, there's just so much to say. And this year for school, we did a Socratic seminar and this is going to sound so cheesy, like, oh my God, that's so weird. But I don't hate Socratic seminars. I kind of like them. I don't like the preparation that has to go into them, like finding quotes from the books and doing all this prep work. But I like the actual discussion because I like to talk about books. And again, that's probably more of an individual thing, of an individual personality trait, less than a, less than a, oh, everyone loves talking about books kind of thing. But I love it personally, so I don't even mind Socratic seminars. Another thing about books that I think also isn't really talked about is that books kind of, they make connections between modern day life in general and the book, like what's going on in the book, but they also make connections between like the book, the characters, and your own life. Books are like discrete advice from the universe. There may be a situation that you're going through, and when the main character reacts to that situation, their life gets better by doing a certain thing. Let's say the main character has this horrible friend, and then they stop being friends with the person, and wow, their life is better. And that's a really basic idea, but you get the point. It's like advice from the universe, because then you're thinking about your life, and you're like, oh, I have this friend who sounds a lot like this friend in this book. And I had some of the same issues going on between me and this friend as the main character did with that with their friend. And once I stop being friends with this person, maybe my life will get better too. And it's like books are giving you this advice. It's like the universe's way of saying, here's, here's some advice. Like, just take this advice. Just do it, please. And I maybe that may not be true in all situations. Maybe the main character makes a really horrible decision regarding something and their life is worse or it makes them a bad person or whatever makes them a worse person. I remember talking about in my episode, What Happens When We Die, there are no such thing as all completely bad people. Well, well maybe maybe a few people, but mostly, most of the time. But like, I don't even know why I just said that. I was saying it as like an added remark about something else and then I forgot what I was even talking about. Whatever I was talking about, making connections between books in your life is so helpful. And again, it's just another perk of books. It's another bonus. It's free advice. It's discreet, hidden advice from the universe. Another thing I wanted to talk about in this episode was short stories because I feel like people that do like to read, a lot of them, I'd say the majority of people just like to read novels or novellas or whatever. Maybe you like to read 
non-fiction books. I do not like non-fiction, but whatever. Most people read novels or novellas, but short stories are so underrated because they typically also teach a ton of themes and they do it in a relatively short amount of time of like a few to 15 pages, which is a pretty short amount of time compared to a novel that teaches a lesson that's 300 to 400 pages or however long. And I think short stories also include a lot of symbols. That's why they're so good to discuss because in order for a short story to be successful, it's got to have something to it. Like it can't just be this basic story. It has to have a lesson to teach or something big happens, something creative, symbols that represent more than they seem in the book. And that's why I love short stories because they're really good pieces for conversation. This year in English, I didn't like reading the stories at first, but I've grown to appreciate the stories that our teacher has us read. Um, One of the stories, it's a pretty common one. I feel like a lot of people have read it in school. It's called The Yellow Wallpaper. The Yellow Wallpaper, it's about this woman. Again, it's teaching about these gender issues, how her husband, he doesn't really treat her. She has this, she has depression. She's depressed. She's in her house all day. You know, at this time period, women were not supposed to be running about and having jobs and doing whatever. So she's in her house all day and she's bored and she's depressed and the husband sees her depression and he doesn't really try to understand why she's depressed. He just throws her in this room, locks her in the room and keeps her away to get better, to magically get better when the source of her depression was being locked inside her house and not doing anything. So to fix her, he's going to lock her in this room and see what happens. So pretty smart guy. But again, at the time, I mean, I guess he didn't know what else to do. But anyway, so she's in this room. And at night, this creepy yellow wallpaper starts to come to life. And she sees this woman behind the wallpaper holding on to the bars of the pattern of the wall. She's holding on to the bars of the wallpaper. And she's like screaming for freedom and stuff and that's like a symbol in itself it made me think what is this woman who's hiding behind the wallpaper holding on to these bars trying to say what is she representing and i think she's representing how this woman in the story feels trapped she feels trapped within the walls of her own home and she wants to get out and in the daytime She's okay because the woman in the wallpaper doesn't come alive in the day. In the daytime, the main character is fine. But at night, all of her struggles, all of her worries start to come to life. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. And so at night, that is the kind of turning point for her. And so the yellow wallpaper made me really think about gender issues. And it made me think about these symbols and that's why short stories I think are so valuable because you start to pick up these symbols and you start to pick up these themes you start to kind of understand what the author's trying to say a little more at the beginning of this year I would have been so bad at identifying symbols 
But by the end of this year, now that we've read like over 15 short stories and we've read novels like Gatsby and Of Mice and Men that have a lot of symbols in them, I'm starting to pick up symbols more. I'm starting to think about what they mean. And that's just good to have this intelligent thinking and to be able to think about these ideas. And by no means am I going to be like, oh, that's a symbol every five seconds in a book. No, but when I do see a symbol, I feel like I can understand a little more what it's trying to represent. And I actually love symbols. I mean, this is so cringy. This is so cringy because I just feel like everyone's like, oh my god, I hate reading. I don't like English. I don't like reading short stories. I don't like symbols. I like symbols. I like to talk about symbols. I I don't know why. I am like an English person. So I like symbols. And that's why I think I actually liked... I'm not going to say I liked it, but I appreciated English this year because I like to discuss stories and novels. But yeah, and also this again, some of these things are going to pertain more to me specifically as a person, but I love to write. I've told you guys that many times. I love writing. I do need to get back into writing because, well, right now, this month of April, I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm just swamped with schoolwork, but once AP exams are over, I'll be a lot less stressed, and so I want to write a lot more. That was one of my New Year's resolutions, and I need to follow through with that. But reading helped with my writing and being more creative. I have grown so much as a writer because, again, reading just makes you think more intelligently about real-world problems. It makes you identify symbols and when you read, you're gaining knowledge about people. Even though they're fictitious people, they're not real, you're still gaining knowledge about them. And so that's going to provide examples to go off of when you're writing. And, oh, this was a really good book. How did the author develop this character? Maybe I should implement those methods in my own writing. And it just helped me be more creative because... I have material I can look back on. I could say, what made this story such a special short story? How can I make my short story special like that? Just having those influences, having these examples of great works made my writing so much stronger. And I think my writing from that has grown, has become better. Overall, if I was going to summarize this whole episode of the power of reading... In one sentence, I feel like if people picked up a book, any book, so many stereotypes, prejudices, social problems, and just real-world problems could be brought to the light and could be understood a little bit more. That is the main takeaway from this episode. If you're going to take away anything, just pick up a book. Even if you don't like reading, maybe just try. Just try. And if you're reading for school, try to appreciate what that book has to offer and what lesson it has to teach. That's all I can say about that. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next time.